Oh God, ease our suffering in this our moment of great despair. Yea, admit this good and decent woman into thine arms and the flock in thine heavenly area up there. And Moab, he laid its down bind at the band of the Canaanites. And yea, though the Hindus speak of karma, Clark, I implore you, give her, give her a break. Clark! Baruch Honey, I'm not an ordained minister. I'm doing my best, okay? Isn't that a great prayer? <laughs> See, we're talking about prayer today. I wanted to show you a perfect example of how your prayer should look and sound and feel. Uh, go to that slide there. My name is Joe Davis. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Life. We got my uh, presentation show up yet? I'll hold on. I want all of you to be awkward for a moment, so just sit here in silence. <laughs> so uh, while, we, while we're bringing that up, let me just uh, kind of give you a little uh, review of what we've been talking about. We've been doing this series on Psalm 119 and how to love God's word, and we've titled it Open Heart Surgery. And that's where we've gone with this. And we have covered many things in our series so far. We've talked about the first week. We talked about what Psalm 119 says about what real worship is. Then we had a discussion about how you cling to things of the world and how you need to let go of those things and how to separate from those things. And now, today's sermon and the next one in this series on uh, Psalm 119 is an attempt for you. To, um, I'm going to try my best to recreate for you a very pivotal time in my walk with Jesus. So I had gone through these first four stanzas of the passage, passages in Psalm 119 in my personal journal, and I came to this one. It's called Psalm 119, He. That's the Hebrew letter for this section. And this was the prayer that I began to study. And what began to happen as I went through this, I was amazed at what God... You know, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where you just have this string of incredible... Um, enlightening things that God gives you as you spend time with him. And for like eight days in a row, I was getting, man, that's awesome. Man, that's awesome. And I did eight, and, and it was a God answering the prayer that I had learned the week before about open my eyes to wondrous things. You guys remember we talked about that. Open my eyes to wow things. And that's what God was giving me. He was giving me wow things. So this sermon is an attempt to recreate for you that pivotal time in my life. It was a time when God's word revolutionized my view of prayer. And the lessons I learned from today's passage in Psalm 119, guys, they relieved me of years of religious burdens around prayer that kept my heart heavy and guilt-ridden. Now, I wish this sermon would be more exciting with more emotional stuff. I like to do that to draw you in, but it's going to be a little bit more informational today. So I'm going to ask that you really, starting right now, really attempt to dial in and focus on the information I'm going to give you and bear with me as I work my way through it. Okay, but let's just read the passage. Starting in verse, uh, actually verse 33, not verse 32. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, 
for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. It occurred to me as I was reading this, these were all prayers. Short one-sentence prayers. Let me look at my journal entry. This is what I wrote the day after I finished that whole section. For years, this is your pastor talking, by the way. For years, prayer has intimidated me. Anybody can relate to that? I can't pray 30 seconds without my mind wandering. Anybody else can relate to that? I hear about people that pray for an hour a day. I can't do anything for an hour, <laughs> let alone pray. But today, and as I, as I wrote this in my journal, I was crying. I remember the day. Today, suddenly, that burden has been lifted. This passage has taught me what an effective prayer time can look like. And it isn't a marathon. Thank you, God. Now, before I say that, I want to make sure you understand. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with long times of prayer. I'm not at all. But some of us, let's be honest, guys, right? We're not wired, some of us, that way. Like, I know when I'm reading something, I'll have to read the, a sentence three or four times because I'll, look, that's a nice bird. Oh. <laughs> and I found that my prayer life was like that, and it was such a heavy burden because here I was in ministry. I'm supposed to be a pastor, and I can't pray an hour at a time. What is wrong with me? When these people find out, I'm done. <laughs> they never found out till today. <laughs> You can't fire me yet. So let's go through what God did for me. He gave me six very short prayers that I pray every day, and it takes me about 30 to 35 seconds. And it revolutionized my life. The first one, teach me, God, it won't be a waste. Verse 33 and 34, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep them to the end. So I said to God, teach me. It won't be a waste. That was in verses 33 and 34. Teach me, O Lord. That word, teach me, it's an amazing word. So the question I have for you is like this. If a Christian is going to learn more and truly increase in your knowledge and application of God's word, doesn't it make sense that we should beg God for understanding? It kind of goes back to what we talked about last couple of weeks about open my eyes to wondrous things, wow things. And what was happening was God was answering that wow thing prayer, open my eyes to wow things right here in this passage. Why wouldn't we ask God to give us understanding every time we open his word? Since it's his words, we long to understand in the first place. I mean, the best way to understand God's word is to ask the author directly what he means. It's those wow things. So that was the first one-sentence prayer that I learned. The next one, make me obey your word, for when I do, my life is so much better. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. So the, God, the idea of a path, the Hebrew word there is like a well-traveled groove is what the psalmist is asking for. David, who I think wrote Psalm 119, prays that God would make him Walk in the path. Make him, force him to have a well-traveled groove 
in his word. He had such an intense desire to be obedient to what he was learning that he begged God to literally force him to walk rightly. Question, how much pain could you have saved in your life if you were praying that since you were a young person? God, force me. Set up a wall on my left. Set up a wall on my right. Do not let me stray. Force me to obey your commandments. How many of you are willing to pray that prayer? I mean, like, God, force me to obey them for the next hour. Because at you know, noon, I want to do something else. But then after that, force me again, right? No, like, when you're clear in your mind, in your head, during the, in the morning, you know, you get up, God, force me. Make me walk in your commandments. Isn't that a great prayer? I didn't write it, by the way. It's in the scripture. How much pain would we save ourselves if we prayed that prayer every day? I love this next one. Make it natural to love your word more than temporary stuff. Verse 36. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. So I boiled it down to make it natural for my heart to hear your word or love your word more than temporary stuff. Incline my heart. Here's what it means. It's the Hebrew word. It has the idea of something someone does by nature, by force of habit. In other words, it's a natural thing. Like, you know, one of the best Christmas gifts I ever got was two years ago from my wife. And she said it cost like $3. It was a back scratcher. I love that thing. And I have been so ingrained in me now, whenever my back itches, I grab my back scratcher. Oh, man, that's good. That's just natural. And I put it down. And by nature, before I go to bed, I put it right next because I know at night, you know, you wake up. You, know. you got me? You feel me? You feel me? So I got this. And so by nature, because by practice, I automatically make sure my back scratcher is like right now. It's bugging me. Just think I don't have it. So. But it's by nature, by force of habit. The psalmist is asking God to change his nature. He is asking God to make it a natural thing, a natural thing for him to enjoy, desire, <coughs> understand, and love the word of God. <coughs> In the same verse, the psalmist recognizes what his real nature is. He confesses that his real nature is to be covetousness and to look at things that are temporary and enjoy them. And he's talking about this continuing struggle that is a conflict between loving God's word and loving the world. And what he says is, I want you to make it natural for me to enjoy God's word and make it unnatural for me to be sidetracked by the things of the world. I want a new nature. I want things to be different. <clears throat> it should be abnormal when something becomes more enjoyable than God's word for us. And it's easy for our eyes, right, to get enamored with temporary things. The prayer is that the psalmist's eyes would be naturally inclined to gaze upon eternal things, not temporary ones. Look, it's okay to enjoy things in the world. I'm not saying that you have to be a field-tilling monk. It's not what I'm saying. But we're talking about perspective, which says, you know what? While these temporary things of the world, some of them are good or nice and enjoyable, my, my natural person, my spirit man, desires eternal things more. Make it natural to love your word and hear your word more than temporary stuff. Isn't that a good prayer? Could you imagine if you prayed that every day? Along with, force me to walk in your paths. Here's the next one. You ready? Number four. Confirm the power of your word to me, Lord. It excites 
and motivates me. Now, this is really cool. Look what the verse, the verse says this, verse 38. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Now, here's why reading the Bible in several different translations sometimes is good. I found, you know what the best translation for this Hebrew word established really is? What version it's in? It's in the Old King James. The Old King James, take, and, and it's not always the case with the Old King James, but this one, particularly in the Old Testament, this is great. The Old King James uses the word establish, not establish, but establish. It's a word we don't use anymore. And the word establish is closer to the meaning of what the Hebrew word is saying there. What the Hebrew word is saying is confirm through experiment. Show me by actual things happening that it's real. It's a subtle difference, right? <clears throat> establish means to begin something. <clears throat> like you establish a new direction in your life or you establish a new company or you establish a new organization. We established Grace Life on October 2nd. That's not what the psalmist is asking. He is saying establish. It's no longer a word used in modern English, but it has the meaning ratify this. Confirm it to me by use. Show me time and again that it is real. <clears throat> He's saying, God, please reassure me of the truth and the reality of the power of your word. I am a weak human. I need it established for me. I need it confirmed. We need to pray this prayer so that we can see the truth of God's word become reality and not just untested principles. See, that's the part that always frustrated me about Christianity. People would come up and preach and teach or share about these pie-in-the-sky concepts and never really give you an understanding of how to apply them. <clears throat> and the psalmist is saying, the things that I'm learning, God, please, in my everyday life, confirm them. Show me they're real. Give it to me. Come on. I want to see it. I want to experience it. And this is what was so amazing at this time in my life. What was I praying the week before? Show me some wow things. And then the very next week, I'm going through this, and every day I'm getting these new prayer requests in this passage. And this one, and I looked at that word established, and I just happened to look at a concordance and look at the words, and I found, wow, that means to confirm through a scientific experiment. I never thought about God's word as a scientific experiment, but it really was. This is an easy prayer to pray, but it does require a commitment to trust that God's word is true and allow ourselves to test it, to test its precepts. Now, this can be a problem if the teaching you're getting is bad. This isn't bad, I can promise you. Number five, protect me from my own sinful ways. I hate them, but I know your word is good. <clears throat> Verse 39, Turn me away from my reproach, another word for sin, which I dread. I hate my sin. I can't stand what my sin does to my life. I can't stand what my sin does to, my, to the others in my life, to my family, my friends, my church. I can't stand how it destroys things. I hate my sin. Turn me away from it. For your judgments are good. The psalmist is saying, I want to learn my lesson. Protect me from my own sin. This one really resonated with me. It became my favorite one in these six prayer uh, sentences that I came up with. It was my, when I got to that one, that's the one I, man, protect me. The one thing I need protection from is myself. It's my own mind. It's my own flesh. 
my own desires, my own motives, my own inefficiencies, my own insufficiencies, my own weaknesses. God, please protect me from my own sinfulness. I hate those parts of me, but I love your word. And I would pray this prayer every day. And I learned to detest my sin. Then the last one. Make me excited and alive concerning your righteousness. Verse 40. Behold, I long for your precepts. Another word for for truth, God's word. Revive me in your righteousness. Make me alive. And what occurred to me is I need to be just as excited about the power of God's word in my life and in the lives of others as I am about a buccaneer touchdown. They don't happen often, but when they do. (laughs) Or a slice of meat lover's pizza. By the way, what I just read to you, I didn't put it on there, but that was a journal entry. Those two things. Because I was a Bucks fan even back then. I need to be more excited about your word than I am football or food. Can you imagine with me right now what your life would look like if God answered just two of these prayers? Like, let's say you started praying these on a regular basis, and he answered one or two. What if he answered all of them? I mean, what if God started, just scroll back here, what if God started teaching you the truth? What if he made you obey it? What if he made it natural for your heart to hear it and love it more than the things of the world? What if he began to confirm the truth and the reality of his word through experiences as you tested it? What if he protected you from your own sinful ways, which you learned to hate? And what if the things that excited you and made you alive are righteous things and not worldly things? Like unhealthy relationships, addictions, money, possessions. Can you imagine what your life would look like? Can you imagine what our church would begin to look like? Let's just say we had... Of the, you know, between down here and upstairs, the 200 people that are here at Grace Life today. Let's say we had 75 or 80 of us commit to pray these daily prayer checklists every day. And what if God started answering them at different times in different people's lives? Can you imagine our impact? So here's how this changed my life. I took a little screenshot and I took these prayers and they kind of changed over the years and I would shorten them in length. But this is basically what I started praying every day about 22 years ago. Renew my mind. Enlighten me with understanding. Make me go in your paths. Make it natural for my heart to hear your word. Confirm your word to me. Establish it. Protect me from my own sin. And make me alive in your righteousness. I began to pray this prayer list every day. So I want to challenge you a little bit today. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do this. I mean, see, whoa, you're asking me to pray every day? Come on, I worked hard to find an emoticon on a black background. Can you guys? (laughs) They're all in white. Come on, give me a break. I want to challenge you to develop a daily prayer list. Not a long one. That might happen later. But for some of us, we really struggle with this prayer thing, don't we? I'm giving you today, it's not an emotional sermon, but it is a real 
practical lesson on how to start learning how to pray. And what we've done is we've made some things for you guys. You get a card. You get a card. You get a card. You get a card. All of you get cards. We made up these laminated cards. Can I have a couple people come and help me? Just the, the two or three people. Uh, pass them out on this side. And somebody come over here on this side. Bruce, you got it? Each person get a card. Whatever's left over, uh, hand them back to Bruce in the background. These are laminated three-by-five cards with our prayer list on it that we've come up with today. It's got the prayer list. It's some of you, because I saw you weren't taking notes. So I have these prayer lists. You can put them on your refrigerator, put them in your car, put them on your mirror. If you're like Mark Curtis who spends 45 minutes a day in front of the mirror getting himself ready, you can put it on there. And what I want you to do is this. I want you to take these cards, and if you are a person who struggles with prayer, like me, your pastor who struggles with the discipline of prayer, I want you to start with this. It will take you maybe 35, 45 seconds to go through these. They're only a sentence at a time, so slow down and say, God, make it natural for my heart to hear your word. Protect me from my own sinfulness. And begin to go through these every day. Guys, listen, this is what I'm asking you to do. I believe that if you take this list that is based upon Psalm 119, verses 33 to 40, I believe it can have no other impact except immense, great, personal revival. For years, some of you have been hearing sermons about how you need to be different. That you need to change in certain areas. You need to be more like Jesus. You need to be more godly. You need to do a better job of this, a better job of that. That is not this sermon. Today, this sermon is, here is a step for you. I am prescribing you as your pastor some medication. This card, right? Bad line? Bad line. Okay, my bad. I am ordering you as your pastor to do... <laughs> Grace Life Recovery crowd, they keep me straight. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> so uh, I didn't know they were going to do that. That's pretty funny. All right. So <laughs> I'm giving you this because I want this sermon to be different. I want you to come away with saying, oh, now I know what to do. It wasn't just an emotional time with some music and some words and some anecdotal stories. I actually got something that I can take home to make, help me grow more like Christ. You got to take that off now. You got to take that off the screen. <laughs> From now on at Grace Life, we are interested in prayers for show. We're not going to be impressed with prayers with length, tone, or verbiage. We're not interested in prayers that look religious. We desire prayers that can create transformation in our hearts. And to do that, we will focus on prayers that are written out of and founded upon principles in God's word. Notice there's nothing in there about give me a Mercedes. It's give me wisdom. Nothing in there about give me this relationship. It's protect me from my own sin. 
Nothing in there about help me be successful in this job. It's in there about make me love your word. This is a sermon that sends you home with the actual healing to make it happen. You don't have to go out today and wonder, good sermon, what do I do next? Now you can say, that was a mediocre sermon, but at least I know what to do. <laughs> because what I believe, what you'll see begin to happen in your life, if you'll trust me and you'll do, I'm not asking you for a lot. Would you agree? I mean, it, it takes longer to brush your teeth, some of you, than this, <laughs> than this prayer list. But here's what happened for me, and I'll close with this. When I was going through this study, I was looking back through my journal as I was writing this sermon, and I was pulling these journal excerpts out, and it gave me kind of like a a deja vu moment, a recall of how my heart was soaring every day as I went into God's Word. And by the way, I wasn't reading like chapters at a time. It was one verse a day. And God was showing me wow things. They were so wow that I still use them today. And now I want you to use them. I hope those cards will help. I hope it gives you something tangible. And what God will do with it in our little, young, Grace Life family, what is it, eight months today, seven months today? Today's June 2nd, June 3rd? Fourth? Always ready to correct me. Appreciate that. What God's going to do in our church As we pray that, it's going to blow us away. Dad, renew my mind. Teach us. We promise it won't be a waste. Make us obey your word when we do our life is so much better. Make it natural for our heart to hear your word and to focus on that more than temporary stuff. Confirm the power of your word to us, Lord. It excites us and motivates us. Confirm your word to us, God. God, protect us from our own sinful ways. We hate them, but we know your word is good. Lastly, Dad, make us alive in your righteousness.